Are we recording right now? Yeah. Oh my God, fun. Okay. This voice is Hannah. And this voice is Marissa. Also, would probably am is our turn on by it. Hart Slahowski? Yeah. Of course. Doesn't actually no. make a ton of sense. No. What are you doing? Are you talking to yourself? <gasps> oh my God, I already hate this story. You know what? I'm okay with that. Because I just thought you could like bleed suddenly yeah. at any good moment. <laughs> my erotic fan fiction isn't fucking interesting enough for you. Hello, you're listening to Tell Us More Podcast. Welcome to season two, episode 26. I've decided that bleaching all of your hair is the equivalent to um, bleached tips when we were younger. Yes, but also I fully support Zac Efron's fully bleached head. Yeah. I think it's hot as shit. I don't hate it, but I also didn't hate it when we were younger. I agree. Yeah. Like frosted tips is what they called them, not bleached tips. Frosted tips. No, no, no. Yeah, I knew what you meant. Yeah. I mean, so I make sure the world frosted, knows. bleached, you know, tips, tips. <laughs> All just, of those words just make sense. The tip. All of those words make sense. I do want to point out we've been so spoiler alert. We've recorded an episode before this and now we are on our second of the day. Your neighbor boy has been sitting out on his patio just listening to music the entire hour and I would assume hour and a half now that we've yeah. been doing this. He hasn't moved. It's a nice day out. He's just chilling with his headphones. I think he's drawing. Maybe he's yes. writing a rap. Uh, you know what? I love that, you know, a kid is spending time outside yeah. doing his hobbies, listening yeah. to music. He's drawing. He's... Oh my God, he could be doing homework. I, I don't even know. Homework. It's Sunday. He could be doing homework. Maybe he has art homework. I just want to like, just like be like, good job, kid. Yeah. Way to sit outside. Those neighbors are actually very nice. He was always the one to come outside and dig me out of my driveway. Nice. Always no. I didn't even have to ask. He would just notice and come. It was like a little routine for us. Cute. Because my shitty Chevy Cruze. This was like a terrible winter. I did not have this problem last winter. No. This winter was rough. Rough. I got hit by a dump truck after all the snow. Yeah. And then I got an F SUV after rough. all the snow. Yeah. But now you have it for next year. Yes, watch it be a mild winter. Watch me like... That's fine. I'm okay with it. Watch us like score like super big on this like YouTube venture and then we end up just moving to California and I'm like, fucking fuck. You still have a cool car. Yeah, and it's all wheel drive. So I can totally... I imagine us driving out there. Oh, okay. So I could totally... Road trip. All, all wheel drive those mountains. Oh. <laughs> We're going to go off-roading. We're going to go off-roading. Hannah mountains. and Marissa go off-roading. It's a really great idea. <laughs> Nobody tell us how bad of an idea that is. Please don't tell us anything. It's we'll fine. tell you. We tell we'll tell you more. Oh, wait, shit. Oh, Our podcast is called Tell Us More. Yeah, so but then we, we got rid of the third person. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we just tell each other more. We tell each other more. But that's we can't fine. change the name now. We can't alter our legacy. No. I still like Tell Us More. I think it Same. gets the point across. Yeah. There's an us in here. I, Maybe I they're the us. The audience is the us. It's a it's a widespread... Us. us. Oh, and they're asking us. They're saying, yeah. tell they're us like, more. They're like, Marissa and Hannah, tell, tell us, us more, more about these people. Yes, they're, they're hungry for information. Right. They're hungry. starving. We gotta feed them. I get death threats when we don't put out an episode. Right. So a lot. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Hey, we've been busy. Like, a lot A lot has happened in our lives, oh though. Like, God. you you were moving. I got hit by a dump I'm truck. still moving. I, Your car got hit by a dump truck with you in it. It sounds, I like the fact that it sounds more dramatic to say I got hit by a dump okay. truck and then follow that up with the specifics. Okay. Grabs attention. It's an attention grabber. I love that. I just burped in my mouth. I just burped in my mouth, but I didn't let it go because my burps are kind of silent. We both just burped. I just burped. I burped too. I, I did burped. that. We burped together. We burped together. I just burped in my mouth. I just burped. I just burped. That's um, funny. I yeah. love it. Last night we went to McDonald's and I was British and she was Australian for no reason. And then yeah. we were both giggling like mad women in the drive-thru and one of us was actually sober. Yeah. It wasn't it was me. Maybe, it was maybe the one that gave up <laughs> drugs and drinking. I don't do drugs anymore. 
uh, urine test me, bitches. I haven't smoked in a while. I don't smoke. I never did. I'm just trying to look cool. No, you didn't. You're just uh, yeah, straight up. The only drug I do is Adderall, but it is prescribed and it works really well, except for when I'm you at work. You do other drugs too. I get high off life. Well, no, I mean you. You are prescribed other drugs. Oh, okay. <laughs> I am prescribed for my Sorry. mental health. I am prescribed for my mental health. Yes. And once weed becomes legal. That's legit. Uh, one of my friends that lives in Oklahoma just applied for medicinal marijuana for migraines. And I was like, bitch, you don't even get migraines. Like, yeah. I get migraines. Yes, yeah, you should apply. Migraines don't count in Minnesota. No, you have to be, like, fucking dying. You have to be, have, like, cataracts or ca- cataracts. 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 Or like cardiovascular disease. Medicinal marijuana. Who has it? Who needs it? Everyone. And uh, everyone. And aren't we going to be able to vote in the 2020 election to see if we want medis- or just regular marijuana in Minnesota? I don't know. I think there's been a lot of debate going back and forth. Yeah. I'm not sure of the current status of yeah. it. Our mayor, Jacob Fry, mm-hmm. uh, wants to legalize marijuana. It's because our mayors are cool now. Yeah. Both of our St. Paul and Minneapolis yeah. mayors. Yeah. Uh, Sean McPherson, um, boss for Trivia Mafia, went to school with the... Uh, St. Paul Mayor. Cool. I'm at a loss for his name right now because we don't live in St. Paul. And no, he's not our mayor. Yeah, exactly. And here's the thing. When you <laughs> live in the Twin Cities, you have a certain disdain for one of the cities and are super loyal to the other. You can't like both. Okay, I do, but I've also lived here for not that long. Okay. But you will... And I used to be fine with both of them, but when you live in one of the cities, you start to just not like the other. Okay. It's... It, Okay. You didn't move to St. Paul, you moved to Minneapolis. I'm just going to point that out. Well, I thought about moving to St. Paul because it was cheaper. And then I found a cheaper apartment in yeah, Minneapolis. Because it, everything happens for a reason. I was born to be a Minneapolisite. Yeah. I'm Minneapolisite. I don't have any strong hatred towards St. Paul right now, but yes, sure, eventually I will get there. It will grow. Okay. <laughs> Is St. Paul going to do something to me? You're just... <laughs> I can't explain it. Okay. And I, we will have an update in a year. We'll see how yeah. I feel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, All right, this is, oh, I already said it was season two, episode 20. Oh, yeah, because I six, spoke six, in Spanish. That means Hannah goes first, and I go second. Let's pull her up. This bitch is a wild ride, and I don't even know how to explain to you. Oh, well, you, you will. There's a Pandora's box of this woman's life. Okay. And I'm about to take you on this journey. Okay. We're going to go through some twists and turns. <laughs> All right. Carola Ruth Siegel. Okay. Was born June 4th, 1928 in Weisenfeld, Germany. Does she like to hang out in parking lots and eat bread? No. Okay. Her last name is Siegel. Siegel. <laughs> S-I-E-G-E-L. Okay. But got it. Yeah. I was like, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Siegel. Do we have Siegels in Minnesota? Um, surprisingly, yes, we do. They're in parking like lots. Oh, okay. I was thinking, like, up in Duluth by, like, the lakes. I mean, yeah, but for some reason I've seen some down here. Okay. In parking lots. I believe you. Okay. Parking lot seagulls. They're basically, like... The trash seagulls. Yeah, trash seagulls. Yeah. She was an only child, and she grew up with a strong foundation in Judaism set by her father, who took her regularly to the synagogue in Frankfurt, Germany. As a curious and inquisitive child, Ruth often crept into her father's library and read all of his books, which piqued her first interest in human sexuality. Just keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, her carefree childhood was cut short when the Nazis rose to power in 1933. Okay. Her Obviously. world, yeah, her world was torn apart by Kristallnacht, also known as the Night of Broken Glass, which I have heard of Kristallnacht before, but never actually looked into it. So in a weird form of uh, going deeper, 
I googled what crystal knocked was. We go deep. So we're gonna go in. Uh, crystal knocked. The night of November 9th into November 10th, German Nazis attacked Jewish persons and property, and the name refers to the litter of broken glass that was left in the streets. So on November 7th, in Paris, German diplomat Ernest von Roth was shot by a Polish Jewish student. News of Rath's death uh, reached Hitler in Munich, and after conferring with the Minister of Propaganda, Joseph Goebbels, it was decided that violent reprisals staged to appear as spontaneous demonstrations would occur throughout Germany. So just before midnight on November 9th, Gestapo chief Heinrich, bef- uh, Heinrich Mueller sent a telegraph to all the police units informing them that actions against Jews and especially their synagogues will take place tonight in all of Germany. These are not to be interfered with. So basically, that guy got shot, Hitler got pissed, and decided that there were going to be demonstrations throughout Germany against the Jewish people and uh, their comp- or their synagogues and their like businesses and stuff like that. And then the police were instructed to not intervene. That this was... So this was the Gestapo going out, doing shit, and yes. they were like, hey, police, no. Literally. Let us sit back. Yep, they said, this is not to be interfered with, this is been put forth by people higher up than you yeah so instead the police were instructed to arrest the victims fire departments stood by synagogues engulfed in flames with explicit instructions to let the buildings burn and they were only allowed to intervene if the fire threatened adjacent Aryan properties so there's just chaos and the police are instructed not to do anything but arrest the people that are currently being attacked the, that's what Crystal Knocked is. This is the night of broken glass. Um, properties, oh no, within two days and nights, more than a thousand synagogues were burned or otherwise damaged, rioters ransacked, ransacked and looted, about 7,500 Jewish businesses killed at least 91 Jewish people, and vandalized Jewish homes, schools, and cemeteries. The attackers were often their own neighbors. About 30,000 Jewish males between the ages of 16 and 60 were arrested. To accommodate so many new prisoners, the concentration camps at Dachau, Buchenwald, and Sachsenhausen were expanded. I'm probably mispronouncing those, but... Oh, that's all I do. Um, Wikipedia said that, the, that Ruth's last memory of her father is her being, or him being taken away by Nazi soldiers. The rest of the family fled Germany to escape the widespread and increasingly violent anti-Semitism. And in January 1939, Ruth is sent to an orphanage. Another article said that it was eventually turned into a school. So, school and orphanage. Orphans have to learn, too. Yeah. Um, In Switzerland, as a part of the kinder transport. So, again, I was like, the fuck is kinder transport? On November 15th, 1938, five days... Oh, do you know? No, that was my birthday. Oh. I wasn't born in 1938, but I get very excited (laughs) when... Yeah. It's like the equivalent of a Minnesotan getting very excited when they meet other Minnesotans in a different location. Yes. Well, and... A good thing happened on this day. So they decided, so this is five days after Kristallnacht uh, in Germany and Austria. A delegation of British, Jewish, and Quaker leaders appealed in person to the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Neville Chamberlain. Among other measures, they requested that the British government permit the temporary admission of unaccompanied Jewish children without their parents. The British cabinet debated the issue the next day and subsequently prepared a bill to present the United Kingdom's parliament to the United Kingdom's parliament. The bill stated that the government would waive certain immigration requirements so long as to allow the entry into Great Britain of unaccompanied children ranging from infants up to the age of 17 under conditions that were outlined in the next paragraph, blah, blah, blah. Basically, originally they were considering having 5,000 children 
or Jewish refugees transferred in. However, that eventually turned into 10,000 children, and then the Jewish agencies then increased their plan target number to 15,000 unaccompanied children that entered Great Britain in that way. Kinder transport was a reaction to Kristallnacht to get the children and everyone that they could get out of that area into Germany, or into the Great Britain. But Ruth gets sent to Switzerland. Ruth stopped receiving her parents' letters in September of 1941, and in 1945 she learned that her parents had been killed, likely at the Auschwitz concentration camp. Ruth suffered terribly during her time in school and was treated like a second-class citizen, working as a maid for the Swiss Jewish girls. She frequently caused concern among her teachers about, with her talkative nature and willingness to share her knowledge on taboo subjects like menstruation with the other girls. Hey uh, So... Now we're at the point where Ruth is like a seven, she's 17 now, essentially. And again, she's a sex therapist. We just went through all of that. She also just survived Germany, okay. Nazi Germany. Wow. That's yeah. just a fun side uh, note. Not, not a fun, fun side note. Just it's a, a, a factual side note. Yes. Okay, so she decides to emigrate to the British-controlled mandatory Palestine. And there, at age 17, she had her first sexual intercourse on a starry night in a haystack without contraception. <laughs> Yep. Do you have thoughts? Oh, I've just always wanted to have sex in a barn. It sounds sexy, but also hay is not comfortable. Oh, and also the smell. But I can't smell that well. Okay. Maybe it's a, it's a freshly built barn. It's It was convert. So, okay. Maybe. It's an Airbnb. The barn. <laughs> yes. Well, people get married in barns. They do. Lucia's sister got married in this place called the Wren's Nest, and it was just so cute. Do you want to have sex in the Wren's Nest? I... Write it out just for the yeah, night? Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Uh, what are you going to do when there's an option? I don't recommend hay. Okay. The hay just... Mm-hmm. that's It's pokey. It yeah. Is. Um, so, without contraception. That I just included. Because, again, she becomes a sex therapist. Yeah. And, well, it's fine. Did pull out, you know? I don't know. Okay. I you didn't ask. You still Ruth. get pregnant from... You can. Income. Yes. But she's the sex therapist, so I'll just right. let her... Explain. Well, next, uh, she joins the Haganah in Jerusalem, which was a Jewish underground movement um, that fought for the creation of a Jewish homeland. And so because of her small stature, she was four foot seven inches. She was trained as a scout and a sniper. So Nazi Germany went to Swiss school, got teased, but talked about menstruation all the time, went to go join uh, the Haganah in Jerusalem and becomes a sniper. And we're only, like... She's still only 17-ish at this point. Yep. Uh, Of this experience, she said, I have never killed anybody, but I know how to throw hand grenades and I know how to shoot. So. On May 14th, 1948, Israel declared its independence. And on June 4th, Ruth's birthday, she was wounded when a bomb exploded outside the kibbutz where... Kibbutz? We've had that as a spelling bee word before. Have we? Yeah. It's like a small house. Kibbutz. 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 Uh, where she lived, taking, oh, it took off the top of one of her feet, which is just fucking gross. <laughs> yeah. So it's just basically skin burn. Yeah, it's just like, Um, so, do, 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 basically that happened, um, so she's no longer, like, fighting the good fight, because Israel declared their independence, um, she was wounded for a really long time, so she took some time to recover from the top of her foot being exploded off, um, and she would write in her diary, I I copied and pasted this because I thought it was funny. She would, it says, lamenting in her diary. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. She would write, 
nobody is going to want me because I'm so short and ugly. <laughs> she used to worry that she would never get married because of her small frame. But uh, in 1950, an, an Israeli soldier from her kibbutz proposed and accept she accepted immediately. <laughs> oh, yes, finally. I was worried this would never happen. I don't even get What's your name? I don't care. Literally, we don't ever learn his name. He's not important. The two moved to she Paris. She probably didn't know it. No. The two moved to Paris where she studied and then taught psychology at the University of Paris. After five years into their marriage, they decided that they would go their separate ways and her husband went back to Israel. So really, we literally don't ever talk about him again. Okay, how long were they married? Five years. Okay. So. Did she have any kids? Um, not in this one. Okay. Uh, upon receiving a restitution check for 5,000 marks, which is approximately like $1,500, uh, from the West German government, Ruth left the Sarboni. Sarbonne. It's a French word. Okay. Sarbonne. Um, Sarbonne. And sailed with her French boyfriend to New York. Love it. Who wouldn't? <laughs> right. I want a French boyfriend where I can sail to New York. Casual. Uh, where a place to live and a scholarship for the, oh, so she and her French boyfriend hop on this boat. They're going to New York. There, she has a place to live and a scholarship for the new school for social research awaiting her. Research? Research. Um, once in New York, she gave birth to a baby girl, Miriam, and divorced the Frenchman, whom she had only married to legalize the pregnancy. You have to legalize a pregnancy? (laughs) Back then, I guess. Um, she worked as a housemaid to support her daughter while attending English lessons. I can't talk. That's okay. I rarely can. Blah. She worked as a housemaid to support her daughter while attending English lessons and evening classes at the new school. In 1959, she graduated with a master's degree in sociology and went to work as a research assistant at Columbia University. Um, in the Catskill Mountains in 1961, Ruth met and fell in love with Manfred Westheimer, also a Jewish refugee. Nine months later, they were married and Ruth became an American citizen shortly after which was then soon followed by the birth of their son, Joel. Joel. So now he has, now she has two children. Now, mm-hmm. it is the late 1960s. Oh. She's been through all of this shit. Yeah. And now we actually talk about the reason I Googled her was because she's a sex therapist. I love it. So 1960, Ruth took a job at Planned Parenthood in Harlem, New York City, where she often found herself engaging in frank discussions about sex. In 1967, she was appointed the project director of that Planned Parenthood, and during this time, she was simultaneously working towards her doctorate degree in family and sex counseling at Lehman College in the Bronx. Ruth gave a lecture to New York broadcasters about the need for a sex education program to dispel the silence around such issues like contraception and unwanted pregnancies. The talk impressed Betty Alam, who was a community affairs manager of the New York radio station WYNY-FM. She offered Ruth $25 a week to make a to make Sexually Speaking, a 15-minute show every Sunday that would air shortly after midnight. Oh, I know who we're talking about. Dr. Ruth. Yeah. <laughs> I used to watch that I know show. who we're talking about. I used to watch that show. Yeah, this is like her life. I learned about vibrators. Yes, same. Same. Um, okay, so right now she has a fifth, that's a 15-minute show. To talk about, like, I don't even know how you would talk about anything in 15 minutes. Probably more focused than we are, to be honest, uh, but, well. you know. Um, so the show was an immediate immediate success, and Ruth soon had a loyal following. Producers expanded her time slot to one hour and opened up the phone lines to allow callers to ask their personal questions on air. The phone lines were jammed every Sunday night, and producer Susan Brown had to screen the calls to pick out the most interesting and urgent questions. By the summer of 1983, Sexually Speaking was attracting a quarter of a million listeners weekly. The message was clear. America desperately needed Dr. Ruth Westheimer, and by 1984, the show was syndicated nationally. 
From that point on, Dr. Ruth's career skyrocketed. However, the fans who adored her frank and non-judgmental approach to their sexual queries were equally matched by the conservative critics who found her advocacy of contraception and sexual openness threatening and irresponsible. Shocking. <laughs> um, <laughs> she always took criticism into account, but nevertheless insisted that she was providing a much-needed educational service to her listeners. Ruth eventually expanded her influence to newspaper columns, a column in Playboy magazine, and the Lifetime Cable Network television series Good Sex with Ruth... Oh, Good Sex! Exclamation point with Dr. Ruth Westheimer. No, Good Sex with Dr. Good Sex with Dr. Ruth Westheimer. It's punctuation is important. I was just making a joke. (laughs) (laughs) It's an exclamation point. Good Sex with Dr. Ruth Westheimer. But without it, it would just imply that you were having good sex with her. Yes. Yes. It's hard to make a grammar joke. Audibly, yes. Instead of like writing it, yes. <laughs> I tried. You did. We got there. Good sex with Dr. Ruth Westheimer. Yes. I mean, she really did have good sex. Oh, 100 percent. Oh, I bet. Killed it. Freaky. Mm, get freaky. Get freaky. Freak. Fuck. I can't talk either. Get freaky. Get freaky, fuck. Ruth. Get freaky, <laughs> Ruth. Oh, title. Yes. Get freaky, Ruth. Um. Okay. So she had that show. She also published several books including Dr. Ruth's Guide to Good Sex, Sex for Dummies, and her autobiography, All in a Lifetime. She became known for being candid and funny, but respectful, and for her tag phrase, get some. <laughs> Did she invent that? I don't know. Did she invent that? get some? What's <laughs> My two sources are Wikipedia and Biography.com, uh, personality Dr. Ruth Westheimer. I don't remember which one I got that from, but I actually think it was the Biography.com one. <laughs> Again, another reputable site. Right. Uh, during the 1980s, Dr. Ruth became a household name, and she made guest appearances on several network television shows, including The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson and The Late Show with David Letterman. She also made frequent appearances on the syndicated revival of Hollywood Squares that ran from 1986 to 1989. Isn't Hollywood Squares the one that has, like, comedians and stuff on it? Yes, in squares. Yeah, like, yeah. up on the wall. Mm-hmm. Brady Bunch-esque. Yes. Mm-hmm. I want to watch Hollywood Squares. I don't. It was good. I don't remember seeing okay. it. It's funny. Okay. I think. Hmm. If I remember. Was in 1989, so I don't know. That's true. You weren't Um, alive yet. No. Give it four years. Yeah. Between 2001 and 2007, Westheimer made regular appearances on the PBS television children's show Between the Lions as Dr. Ruth Wordheimer, and in a parody of her therapist role, she helps anxious readers and spellers overcome their fear of long words. (laughs) In January 2009, the 55th anniversary issue of Playboy magazine included Westheimer as number 13 in a list of 55 most important people in sex in the past 55 years. In December 2014, Westheimer was a guest at an Orthodox Jewish wedding in the Bronx, New York. The groom, Rabbi Benjamin Goldschmidt, was the great-grandson of the woman who had helped rescue Westheimer from Nazi Germany. There's also a documentary coming out soon. I think it's on Hulu, but I didn't actually look. There's a whole documentary coming out soon about her entire life. Oh. That's literally it. Okay. Dr. Ruth Westheimer. Great. Who was also a survivor of Nazi Germany and a sniper. And didn't have a, a half of a foot. And has half of a foot. And has. Is she still alive? Yeah. What? I think so. How old is she? Unless she died recently. She also has a Twitter account. I'm going to love it. I would highly recommend She's 90 years old. Hey, she ain't dead. She ain't dead. Just like, looks like your average grandma. Yeah. Just, she get freaky though. She get freaky though. She get freaky though. 
All right, mine is super short, too. Did we mix up what story we were going to tell? That's okay. Okay. Um, I didn't realize how short hers was. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot there of information. There was a lot of information just... In a mess. short amount of time. Yeah. She, here's the thing. She gets to the point. She's not going to waste time explaining more than she needs to. Mm-mm. She's very blunt. She's like, this happened, A, B, C. You don't need any more information than that because you won't pay attention. No. Also, I kind of want to watch her Hulu documentary. Yeah. It is on Hulu. I Googled. Oh, good. I guess I could say, like, when it comes out. It's not out yet? Uh, I don't think so. Not sponsored, but... By Hulu? Yeah. No, us... Yeah, we're not sponsored by Hulu. That is a fact. Are you ready for me? Mm-hmm. Today we are talking about Father Yod. Do you know who Father Yod is? Mm-mm. I'm gonna tell you. Um, so he opened one of the world's first health food restaurants in 1969. Okay. Obviously, this was in L.A. Yeah. Okay. And... Organic vegetarian food served by a collective of young hippies dressed in white robes. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. White robes. Okay. So. I'm not excited. You just wait. Okay. John Lennon, Yoko Ono, Marlon Brando, and Warren Beatty were regulars. Okay, but I feel like nothing good can come of white robes. Yeah. Um, well, okay, we'll get going. to it. Um, it was featured in Annie Hall, the movie. Uh, Woody Allen mockingly orders alfalfa sprouts and mashed yeast. <laughs> the restaurant made about 300000 a month at its peak. Holy fuck. Yeah. This is 1969, too, so that goes a long way. Jesus. Yeah, go a long way to death. I'd take $300,000 a month. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah, I'd take $300,000 a month. Are you kidding? Yeah. No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna pass that up. Um, but even though, even though the, I wrote, this is what I wrote. But even though the robes should have made it obvious, this was the beginning of the Source family, a collective. Huh? I don't know who that is. It's kind of culty. Oh okay. no, I'll get to that. A collective of roughly a collective of roughly 150 of Father Yod's religious followers who lived oh communal style in a house in Hollywood Hills. And then I wrote cult, cult, cult in all caps. With 150 people in a house. Yes. Okay. So, born Jim Baker. He was awarded the Silver Star Medal for heroism during World War II. He was an expert in jiu-jitsu, a suspected bank robber, and an accused murderer. Oh. Yeah. Fun. Exactly. Sounds like the guy we should follow. Uh Mm Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, Baker moved to L.A. in the late 60s to pursue stuntman work but was soon seduced by Eastern mysticism dripping through the streets at the time. Aren't we all? Here's a direct quote from news.com.au, another reputable site. Mm -hmm. Where's the quote? I don't know. Is it not there? I don't know. Uh, Maybe that was supposed to go in a different spot. I don't know. He decided to become a spiritual leader who practiced virtues of healthy eating, yoga, meditation, among other things not noted in this article. Okay. That one was me. I added that last bit. Uh, the restaurant was perfect for recruiting young, impressionable people. Oh, good. Members took on the surname Aquarian and crammed into a three-bedroom house. No. In the hills. No. Yeah. No. Yes. Nope. It still happened. Can't. I don't want. <laughs> don't join. <laughs> anyway. Music was central to the family lifestyle, kind of like our jam band. Right. Uh, with members forming a house band named... Yahowah 13. <laughs> that sounds like an AIM screen name. Yeah. Or maybe they sold 13 albums from the restaurant. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why the number 13 is there. Let's pretend it's part of the name. Yahowah 13. 13. Selling albums from the restaurant. 
Doesn't sound too bad so far. No. I also wrote that down. I'm also nervous. Well. Well, it does sound bad. There's 150 people in a three-bedroom okay, house. that's not great. I'm not here for it. No. <laughs> that's why. The only reason you didn't join. That's it. Sounded great. Mysticism, yoga, meditation, yeah. healthy eating. Whoa. 150 people in a three-bedroom house. I can't. 120 tops. I yeah, can't. exactly. 149, I would have been there, but 150. Nope. No. Can't push that over. I don't know. Just like a fire hazard. <laughs> just like 99 oxen. You need 100. Mm-hmm. Uh, this site interviewed the band's guitarist and said he wasn't looking for a leader. He wanted a community. Okay, okay, so here's a direct quote from the site. I was a vegetarian, long-haired hippie, meditator, Jewish mystic, and yoga beginner, so the Source Brotherhood sounded intriguing. He explains, and then it adds, via email. Oh, good. Yep. Great. He was 23 when he found this cult, or family, I put the cult part Mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. He left his first meeting dissatisfied because they used sheepskins for meditation, but then he, like, came back and joined in 1972. He He had traveled a little bit. He was like, okay, (laughs) I guess I'm okay with sheepskins now. Um, Another quote from this guy. Father Yod was so accomplished in so many ways and was so willing to share his every success and knowledge with us. That kind of gift in a young, seeking person's life, you can only imagine the influence, he recalls. Okay. Mm -hmm. It was literally like meeting God. No. (laughs) The father of, or God the brother, however you wish to see it. Oh. Yes. He's like, that's your own interpretation. This is just like mine. I'm saying that that's what it felt like. Maybe you'll have a different interpretation of it. You haven't met him, but trust me when I say, this is how I see it. Yeah. Everything feels very hippie. Exactly. Loving, peace. I love Mm -hmm. it. Uh, Another guy, also via email, because that's important to say, Mm -hmm. um, he said, it was more about what they were into in those days. Father Yod was first and foremost a father figure to all the people who clearly had a need for an example in their lives. Okay, so you would have joined the cult. Probably. Let's yeah. be honest. Let's be honest. I wouldn't even realize I was in a cult nope. until I was in a cult. I'd nope. be like, everybody's so nice to me. Right. I love your outfits. Yep. We're, we're in a band now. We're in a band. Jam band. <laughs> He also said the source was equated with the Manson family back then. Fear of the unknown is usually a factor. Or the, and this is, this is what I wrote. I wrote okay. this part. Or the robes, because if history taught us anything, it's not to trust white robes. Literally, thank you. Yeah. I agree. That was me. That was all me. That was not via email guy. That was not him. Mm-hmm. Not no, him. I agree. So, uh, the 150 people that were in all three bedrooms, uh... Didn't like that. Well, no. Yeah. So uh, they decided to sell the restaurant and move to Hawaii. Okay. Yeah. Then Father Yod. Oh, God. What did he do? Did he die? Did he get married? Then Father Yod attempted to hang glide off a cliff despite having zero experience. He crash landed on the beach and died from his injuries. Stop. Yeah. He was like, motherfucker, I'm going to go hang gliding. And yeah. then just died. He was like, yeah. Oh I mean. God. God. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's what happened. Okay. Uh, another quote. It was a shock to all, but perhaps subconsciously expected. <laughs> he often mentioned him leaving this plane to serve his children less fettered in the next dimension. Father Yod served his purpose in this oh. current dimension. And okay. he was like, it is time for me to symbolically slide into another dimension. I feel like hang gliding is the perfect symbol of me leaving one earth down to another. That's my interpretation. Right. But that is how I see it. Right. Right. And, and that's... Yes. 
Yes. Exactly. What a terrible way to die. I know. <laughs> Hopefully it was quick and painless. I hope so. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Uh, they tried to stay together for two years, but without Father Yacht, it didn't work, so they all went their separate ways. Okay. Which was tough because they were all living together, and now they were on their own, and acclimating back to regular society was hard, finding jobs were hard, and right. then also their families made fun of them. Right, because you've been in a cult. Right. With a man who hang glided himself yes, to death. Exactly. Uh, neither of our email friends regret- regretted joining. Uh, one said, it was such a creative time, and I feel so fortunate to have been a part of such a memorable scene. And then that's it. So it wasn't even a bad cult. Oh, my God. They just, a lot, there was a lot of them. They played instruments. I literally don't think I've ever heard of a cult where something yeah. bad didn't happen. I know, right? Like, he um, just was like, oops, I yeah. died. They, they, I mean, they called it a family. They uh, but then they also goods were. And services. Yes. The Source family, and they are Aquarians. Father Yod is their leader. Are they still a thing? No. They disbanded. They disbanded. They completely... Right. There are no remaining factions. Right. I mean, they were just into yoga, meditation, yeah, music. sounds like a bunch of fucking hippies living Food. together in a teeny tiny house. It, it was. Huh. You'd think, and here's the thing. If you make $300,000 a month, and you sell the restaurant... Why didn't you, if you make $300,000 a month, why didn't you just buy a bigger house? Why did you move to Hawaii? That's a great question. Like, why? Like a large acre of land. Did it have to be in the Hollywood Hills? Kind of goes against your home yoga, meditation, and right. organic thing. Seems like your logic is flawed. Right. You got a three-bedroom home. Like, what era was this? The 60s? The this 50s? This was probably, if the restaurant was 1969, I'm going to guess okay. that this was in the 70s. 70s. Very, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I just feel like they were on a lot of drugs. Right. Probably. I'm they glad didn't, they didn't do, hurt anyone. Yeah, they didn't do anyone harm. They didn't harm themselves. Those but, white robes really made me nervous at right. the beginning. <laughs> right? Because when I, because I, I was trying to think, um, do you remember, did you take Mrs. Rick's sociolo- sociology class in high school? I don't remember. I think um, so, but. And we weren't in, the, I don't think you and I were in the same class, no. but there was obviously different hours. She was telling us about cults, and there's one in Sedona, Arizona. Yep. And I was trying to figure out what that one was called, and it wasn't this one, but I was like, this is crazy I'm yeah do this i've never heard of that me either because they were good right and the cult Arguably. in arizona last time i checked is still a thing the one in sedona mm-hmm. did you figure out what it's called no i just well i stumbled on this one and yeah, i decided and you were like i one. have better things to right. do now i was like i would like this one this is the one that because it's me with this cult right, i mean and you know that nobody ever specifically stated that it was a cult it was just very culty often it think you know what maybe if he didn't die they might have done They might have gotten bad. more culty. Because yeah. people like that just get crazier and crazier. That's that mob mentality. hungry. Yeah. So I feel like maybe he wanted, he would have wanted everybody to hang glide into the next dimension. Yeah. It's like that one that they all had to put on those Nikes and yeah. then go to sleep to go yeah. to the sky, space, yeah. aliens? Was that yeah. aliens? Yeah. Yeah. That was that one. I don't remember what it was called, though. I don't either. Um, it was two old people that started Yeah. That. And then there was one that shot a bunch of people. There was like a standoff in in Texas. That was a really bad cult. Shit, I don't that know that really, one. was a really really bad cult. I don't know that one. I'm not super familiar with cults. I'm not either. Mostly because I just always think they're gonna go. I mean, arguably, I'm correct. Go right. bad. <laughs> right. And and except a, for the yeah. source family. Well, and they always start out as a family. If you'll notice, the, the, that's cults. the thing that really bothers me yeah. is that you can't call something a family yeah. and have 150 people living in a house. Right. I'm so sorry. It's just not going to work right. for me. Exactly. Hard stop. Your no, family members you. should be more separated than that. Otherwise, it gets culty. I don't even know how you could physically fit 150 people in a three bedroom house. 
That's probably why they moved. I don't know why they didn't decide to just buy a bigger house with that giant amount of income. You have to buy the hang glider. Yeah. Houses <laughs> today cost $300,000. Could you imagine no. how much they would cost back then? Do probably people like, like slept outside in like tents? I mean, maybe it didn't Seems specify. Like... I only read one article. That's okay. More than what we normally do. Right. Was it an article article or was it yeah. Wikipedia? No, it wasn't Wikipedia. Good job. So it was an actual article. We had like outside sources today. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we had outside sources. We had we defined good cults. Things. We had a good cult. It didn't reach cult level. I mean, it would have gone there. Had he it's not highlighted to his death. Yeah. Well, every cult starts out as a family. I know. And then, We've talked about it yeah. many a time. Yeah. Just like any time that there's collective um, living in a house. You're either a frat a sorority or a cult. Or like a co-op. But even that, there's got to be some rules. Like, yeah, well, without a co-op, capacities. it's people that just need a place to stay. Do you think, in a way, fraternities and sororities are a cult? Yeah. Because they have established rules. They yeah, all live in a house. Yeah, like pay fees and yeah, shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's, there's Super clothing. culty. Yeah. They're going to get yeah. mad at us, all of oh. our sorority fans. It's just unsubscribed. <laughs> Frats, frat people didn't listen to the this. The frat stars are out. Frat stars are out. Sorostitutes, which I actually don't like that phrase. Cause right. Because demeaning towards sex workers right. and it's like yeah you're if we are in a sorority that's fine we just ne- wouldn't necessarily get along and in, in the general sense so it's like if you're in a sorority right. fuck you no, I'm yeah just there's different types of people in this world maybe there's one or two outliers that we would get along with whatever if you want to be a sorority there's nothing wrong with you i'm gonna like hate on you or whatever I'm just, it's just like not telling you're in a call yes that's all i'm saying <laughs> One more time. It may time. be a regulated, like, approved by the, gov- or not government, fucking faculty, but you're in a call. Right. They even call themselves a sisterhood. Yeah. Or a brotherhood. That's exactly. like a family. Yeah. No, yeah. And they have initiation <laughs> rituals. Yeah. Oh my god, they really, really are. Pay yeah. the fees, they have rules, you do weird shit at your wedding. You didn't know that? No. Some sororities, the, one of the weddings that I was at, that was Alexis's friend. They did, like, uh, they, like, stand in a circle and, like, all, like, candles and, like, sing a weird sorority song to, like, bless the marriage. That is a cult. Yeah. It looked very cult. They hate when you try to leave. Like, it's a big deal when you try to leave. It is a cult. I mean, Peyton was in a, is in, she was in Tridel. We should ask her about it. Yeah. How's your cult life? How, do you keep in contact with your cult members? She actually does. Uh, her, her big or whatever is, like, her best friend, who's her maid of honor in her wedding. Yeah. But still, oh. there was no weird culty shit at that wedding. All right, so that was a really short one. Sometimes See, a little nu- yeah. little nugget, little nibble, right. nibble, little, nibble. little chicken nugget, just a quick bite. I just nibbled on you a little bit. That's like you sound like a chipmunk. chipmunk. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Cool. I'm the same age. Uh, thank you for listening. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe. Goodbye. Bye. You have a paperclip in your.